All right, so welcome everybody. I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, hello everyone and welcome to today's masterclass with Chateau Bechevel. My name is Antoinette Landejean from Cork and Fork in Washington, DC. We are a premium wine store founded by a multi-generational flying winemaker originally from Champagne, France. I am in delighted to introduce today's producer, Chateau Bechevel, presented by Philippe Blanc. There is much to tell about this beautiful estate and the wine, so I will leave this to Philippe. Instead, I will introduce our guest speaker. Philippe graduated from the Paris School of Agronomy decided, and decided to specialize in viticulture and enology in Montpellier. He then spent six months in Epernay with Moet and Chandon. Soon after, he found himself working in Australia as the vineyard manager of Taltani Vineyards in Victoria with Dominique Portet. He went on to make sparkling wine in Tasmania under the Clover Hill label. After time in between the wine trade, Philippe applied for the general manager position at Chateau Bechevel and was hired in mid 1990s. Since then, he has been in charge of the Chateau, overseeing the property and these high quality wines. We are honored and delighted to have you join us tonight, Philippe. For those joining us live, we'd love to hear from you. Place your questions in the chat and we'll get to them time allowing. We will move immediately into the presentation as our two guests are calling in from France. Eric, please introduce yourself and your company, and then Philippe will move directly to you. Eric? Antoinette, thank you so much for these uh, kind words of introduction to Philippe. Uh, so my name is Eric, Eric Fouot. Um, I was born and raised in Bordeaux in a family heavily involved in the wine trade. And I decided to follow you know, this idea to work in this um, wonderful industry. So I started you know, this business with my father in 1992, almost 30 years ago now, next January. And um, I have the great privilege to have a uh, um, special relationship with uh, Chateau Bechevel. And um, Bechevel is special for many reasons. Um, first, I would say um, the history. You know, it's um, a unique property. And um, Philippe would say more of, you know, uh, information about it. But, you know, the page of the 21st century had been turned with Philippe. And with this long history of Bechevel, you know, uh, this, um, since the arrival of, of Philippe in 1995, it will certainly set you know, the, you know, the history on this estate. Regarding the image of the property, uh, the, the, uh, regarding the quality of the wines, because we had produced fine wines at Bechefeld for many years. We know that we have a special terroir, a unique terroir at Bechefeld. But now we are able to produce um, the... Um, premium, premium wines at Bechevel, as always, but speci especially now. So um, I don't want to be too long in my uh, introduction. I think, you know, the topics of this um, Zoom, it's um, to speak about uh, Bechevel, and uh, Be uh, Philippe is um, the best <laughs> and our speaker regarding uh, Bechevel. Thank you so much, Antoinette, and thank you, Philippe, for uh, your uh, um, availability because uh, um, just 
in case you don't know, uh, usually at 11.30 in France, we are not on the Zoom, but um, we are delighted to be it. Huh? And hopefully- The camera was snoring heavily. And yeah. That's a good chance you give me to, you give to my wife. She's, I'm, I'm not disturbing her at the moment. So <laughs> you make at least one person happy with that. So that's a good thing, you know? <laughs> thank you, Eric. Uh, thank you, Antoinette. Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, to, uh, and your introduction was nearly perfect. I have not, not much to add uh, about me anyway. Uh, just to say that, yeah, I've been uh, in Bechevel for, I'm, I'm a little stone in the biggest story of Bechevel now, uh, being here for uh, over 25 years. So that's uh, significant. Uh, it makes Souvenir and remembrance of the, the early days more difficult because it's getting far away, but it's very important as well. And it gives, a, in a way, a legacy on knowing quite well every corner of the property and, and, and every people working with it. Um, for uh, your customers or members, uh, I, I don't know whom of them have been visiting Bordeaux already. I will start uh, from the, the idea that maybe you don't know enough. Uh, so we're, Bechevel is located in north of Bordeaux, 40 k north of Bordeaux. I don't know if you've got maps to, to show them or not, but uh, what we call left bank. Left bank is called another way, it's called Medoc. And start with famous chateau with Margot village and uh, obviously Chateau Margot. Uh, and then, 20 k's uh, further, you hit Saint-Julien. And just after Saint-Julien, when you leave Saint-Julien, you enter Poyac area that, of course, you all know very well as well. And then after that, you've got another one, which is reasonably or quite famous, Saint-Estef. So that's the four, what we call here, communes, but four villages. And uh, Saint-Julien is the smallest of the four. Uh, maybe sometimes not the most famous, but uh, reasonably famous though. Uh, basically, uh, just classified growth. You know, this. Uh, if some people want to know more, we'll talk about classification and 8055 classification, but it's maybe not the, the necessary. Uh, and Saint-Julien is basically uh, composed of 90% at least of... Uh, 1855 classified growth. So it's a very high, very high standard. I, I call it a high league. Uh, the difference between uh, Saint-Julien and Margot or Poyac, there is no first growth. You've got three first growths in Poyac. You've got one first growth in Margot. There is no first growth in Saint-Julien. It starts with second, very famous and fantastic wines and fantastic properties with the seconds like the Léoville, Léoville Barton, Léoville Lascaz, Léoville Poifere, Du Crubeau Caillou, our immediate neighbor. Uh, and the other one is called the Gru La Rose. And then you've got third and you've got fourth. Fourth, we belong to the, the club of the fourth with Talbot, that maybe you know, uh, Branner Du Cru and Saint-Pierre. And Bechevel basically, there I say that today, but it has been for long, in the years before, in the history of the property, is basically maybe uh, one of the most powerful fourth growth. But uh, that's not something I, I want to focus too much because I don't want to to have to show bad ideas. The classification is is part of history. The classification is, is a legacy of the past, 
and it shows the place was good. It shows the place was making, as Eric mentioned before, was making great wines long years ago. 200 years ago, they were already. So uh, we are not here to invent how to make a great wine. We are just here to carry uh, the, to, to be in position to keep making great wines and even maybe when we can to improve, but we are not inventing, you know, it's different from Australia. You, you don't start a new vineyard, you don't start a new place. The place is here. We do all we can to respect the place, to, to enhance the quality of the wines we can make there. But we can drink wines which are 100 years old today and which are fantastic and which show the roots have been here for many, many years. So we are just carrying that and we are just in position to, as I used to say, the music is already written and we are just have to be as good as we can players for the music, but we don't write the music, the music is written already. So we are, uh, the property in terms of size uh, is uh, around, Americans call it acres. So I would say 200, 220 acres under vines. Uh, the property as a whole is uh, bigger than that, three times bigger, but the rest is uh, meadows and woods and uh, things which are of course interesting, but don't produce wine. And important thing to keep in mind in France or in Bordeaux, you can't plant vineyards wherever you want. You've got strict boundaries, which are delimited by uh, government. It's called ENAO uh, appellations, what we call appellation. And although you've got a lot of uh, uh, soil or a lot of ground, you can't plant vines, vineyard everywhere. So it's, it's fixed and we can't expand in any way we can expand. So 220 acres. And to give you an idea, we make with that Bechevel, of course, the wine that we left tonight, which is what we call the first label or a grand vin in, in, in French. Uh, but we make a quantity of over 200,000 bottles of that. But then we make wines which are called second wine. We call it Amiral de Bechevel. And then a wine of the next appellation called Omedoc. So overall, we make roughly half a million bottles a year. That's a rough idea. Uh, I've got a year, uh, 55, 60 permanent workers working with us, uh, plus then what we call casual workers, especially for harvest. Harvest will be in three months time from now, and we need about 100 pickers uh, to, 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 to get the crop in. Uh, one word about ownership, because I've got a lot of good points, as you pointed out, uh, uh, Antoinette, but I've got a big drawback. I'm not the owner of the chateau. I'm just uh, uh, taking care of it. So uh, the owners uh, for the last 10 years uh, are two major companies, family businesses, but uh, companies of the wine and spirit world. One is Japanese, it's called, um, it's called Suntory. Suntory owns another chateau just three kilometers away from here called Lagrange, another uh, classified growth in Saint-Julien called Chateau Lagrange. I don't know if you know the wines. Uh, and for, for example, for America, they own, you know, Bourbon company uh, called, uh, called Beam, Jim Beam. So that's, uh, but they, they know, for, they own, for example, 
Courvoisier cognac as well. And they make Pepsi Cola for Japan. And so they are winemakers at the beginning of their history. They've got a vineyard. They make one of the most expensive uh, wine in Japan. And then they made whiskey. They make, they're very proud and they're very successful with Japanese whiskey called Ibiki and Yamazaki. And then they expanded in soft drinks and all that. So that's a uh, it's family business. And uh, we've got another uh, partner or another co-owner called Pierre Castel. Castel family is a Bordeaux family. We made an empire in wine. They've got a lot of vineyards in Bordeaux and elsewhere. They're number one in Europe for wine. And they're as well brewers in Africa. So they make, and they make as well, I think, uh, soft drink and Coca-Cola to, to name it in Africa. So just to say that they are specialists of the business of wine and spirit and, and, and drinks, uh, but they are kind enough to give me the keys of the property and they don't interfere and they don't, they don't come here to make the, the blend or to decide when we pick or whatever. That's my job. And if they don't like the musician, they change the musician. But so far they kept the musician. So I'm still playing or trying to have the music play in Bechevel. Uh, just one thing, Antoinette, and I, I need your help for that. Uh, we've got some followers and viewers. Uh, please ask any questions. Stop me uh, if you want to understand something more or you want to focus on something. Or if you say, come on, we know that, uh, go quicker. Please do it because although we are not together, we are together. And if we can do it as interactive as we can, that will be even better. So... Uh, then we only grow what we call uh, red varieties. And the red variety, the major red variety in Medoc is Cabernet Sauvignon. So number one is Cabernet Sauvignon. Number two is Merlot. And then we've got a little bit of Cabernet Franc and another one that you may know called Petit Verdot. So four varietals in our wines. And we do what Americans call... Uh, Bordeaux blend or Meritage or whatever, and we always blend and we don't do, we don't make any straight varietals when, when we're in Saint-Julien or in Bordeaux. Okay. Uh, a word about the season 21. We're in, in June, uh, we heard uh, in some places of uh, American continent, it was uh, absolutely so hot that people were suffocating. On, on the West Coast, but uh, here it's fairly rainy. It's not the perfect weather for a, a month of June. June is finishing tomorrow. And we really cross the fingers to have at least good weather now because it has been a little bit too wet to make it perfect. But even with the wine we'll have at the tasting today, 09, 16, has been the case with 18. We had very average weather till June but we need fantastic weather in summer and harvest time to make great vintages. So at the moment, there is just impossible to say if it will be good or not. If the weather turns marvelous, we can match maybe the quality of 09 or 16 we left tonight or 18, for example, which is a highlight for us. So absolutely no problem, but it's quite a wet season. Being wet in Bordeaux, implies uh, what we call a disease pressure, pressure. So it's something which is not the case when we're in Victoria, Australia, or uh, in, in, in Napa, 
but uh, that increases the risk of having fungi damaging the fruit. And that's something which is, which is quite pregnant this year uh, in this month of June. Uh, harvest will occur this year. It won't be that early. Harvest will occur around September, September 20th will start. And we need here about 12, 14 days for picking the crop. We pick about 60 tons, 50, 60 tons a day, and we need about uh, 12, 14 days, according to weather. Any questions? Any? Yep, I, I do have a question regarding um, vintage prospecting. And this ties in, Eric, to talking about Bordeaux futures. When you have a, a, an average or below average vintage, how does that impact the pricing that you use going into Bordeaux futures? And also just generally t tell us a little bit about what Bordeaux futures are. So I will, I will say a few words and then Eric will give another view, which is the merchant's view. Uh, as Eric is one of our customers, but he's got many uh, chateaus he's dealing with and, uh, and then he's distributing the wines of the chateaus around the world. And especially as well as he's a specialist for that in America. Uh, so your question is a good question, but although it's important, it's maybe not the paramount point and it's arguable, I fully understand but it's maybe not number one. We, we consider economy being probably more important than the weather and the sun. Uh, it seems strange, but pricing can be not always influenced by just the pure quality. It could be, it should be, maybe it would be a good idea, but it doesn't work all that simple. Uh, now, to be honest as well, uh, Antoinette, uh, the, the quality of the vintages in the recent vintages have all been very, very good. And I think the issue for Bordeaux is more a question that there is no highs and downs as it was 20, 30, 40 years ago, which were really justifying very low vintage, bottom price, 82 quality vintage, high price. Basically, I think it doesn't exist anymore for different reasons. We could come back on that. And I think we should consider one day in Bordeaux for what we call Bordeaux, the top, top, top uh, properties, top estates, classified growth level, that we have to be more regular and not giving people hard time following highs and ups because it's terrible sometimes what happens. And it has been probably the case with 2020. Now I, I pass, I don't want to, to be the only one speaking because uh, Eric will get tired of listening to me. And he's got a view of the merchant as he's buying our wines and he's selling it afterwards, but he's buying some, some others as well. So I pass the word to, to Eric. Thank you, Philippe. I'm, I'm never bored to listen to what you said. Uh, I never, you know. But regarding, you know, this um, approach of trading the wines, this is, you know, unique uh, in Bordeaux. We have many comments, many critics, uh, many people who want to copy us. And we all know that when we try to copy, it means that the system works. So in the global uh, image, you know, this uh, um, introduction to the uh, Emprimeur wines uh, is, you know, uh, a unique uh, and page of history with Bordeaux, and it is working. 
once have to remember that you know we produce you know wine which are uh, from a single estate uh, and so philippe said you know um, very nicely and kindly that you know we have rules you know in france we many things we are not allowed to do and uh, these um, laws uh, are for one reason is to produce better wine and also to be able to uh, maintain you know the distribution of this wine as it is an agricultural product you know every year uh, it's a big question mark uh, it's a um, philip just said you know in a few words we don't know uh, what's going to happen with this vintage 2021 20, we have no idea you know looks so far you know okay wet but very often it's wet you know in the spring in, in france and in Bordeaux especially so um, all this vision explain or don't explain <laughs> uh, the uh, you know this way to present and introduce you know this grand vin from Bordeaux and uh, even though uh, Philippe say a few numbers with Chateau Bechevel as far as production you know the uh, production of grand vin when I say grand vin I say unique wines it's extremely limited for the world demand and that's you know created you know, uh, talks, and I said, you know, also a bit of tension, you know, I've been uh, dealing, you know, the past few weeks, you know, regarding, you know, uh, the great privilege to speak about, you know, the uh, 20, uh, 20 vintage with Chateau Bechevel, and so you know, uh, some clients were fortunate to have a small allocation of the, the wine, and always said, always too small, yeah, but I uh, don't want to just repeat myself, but it is an agricultural product. And this is something that's, you know, from a single estate. And, you know, we are in a system which is a French law. <laughs> and it's uh, full of paradox, perhaps. But, you know, all this law means something. You have a second and third thought. And perhaps if we have an image and uh, as a French products and the French, you know, quality, you know, they have, you know, a way to, to say good thing about what, you know, uh, the administration of France have done to protect all these, uh, you know, um, unique and uh, fantastic wines. So that's what I could tell you regarding, you know, the, um, how we do this with these wines. Maybe Antoinette, uh, so, some word for the viewers to explain. Uh, do, do you need to know what the premier system is or is it known by all of you? Uh, yes, please, please go over it. So I, I just try to make it quick. We produce wine in September, October. We finalize a blend in let's say January. So for let's say for 2020, September, we pick the grapes, we make the wine. In January 21, we make the blend. Then we have the wine tasted by journalists, by importers from the world. Before, in the old time, they were coming to Bordeaux. Now we send samples to, to the world, but we hope we'll, we'll welcome them again soon. Uh, and then they give marks and they give, and they declare what they like. And in, let's say, for this year, uh, June, 
early June for us. It was one exactly one month ago. We get in contact with merchants like Eric. I've got about 120 of them, and I offer some quantities for sale at a price which has been evaluated, as you mentioned, with regard of quality, but with regard of demand as well, with regard of what is the value of my wine on the market all over the place? Uh, what is the demand? Is there, do people fight for it or they don't care? If they don't care, you can't ask a huge price. If they fight for it even nicely, well, you're more tempted to offer them at a higher price. And that's the case for Bechel. And then people pay and the wine is at the property and will be stored in the barrels. We call that aging, aging in the barrels till next year again in June next year. So in June 22, we'll be bottling this, this wine. But this wine has been sold already to the merchants in June 21. And in June 21, July 21, the merchants like Eric are selling this wine to customers, professionals, and then uh, private customers in France, but in the US, but in Asia, everywhere around the world. Uh, we, we've got uh, over 1,000 known customers, professionals, as far as we're concerned, and in over 100 countries. Uh, so the wine is spread all over the planet by the merchants like, like Eric. And then in June 22, we're bottling and we start shipping the wines to the merchants and themselves, they will ship them to the world, to their customers. And one final word, so that's the system. Then price-wise, it makes sense if paying, because you pay, Eric is paying in advance and importer in DC or anywhere is paying in advance and the private customers is paying in advance. And it makes sense if when he's paying in advance, he's got a premium, he's got a bonus compared with the price he will check on the shelf later on, later on down the road. If there is no bonus, there is no interest in premium. So that's very important. And what, we get, what I can tell you is for Bechevel, that always a, a rule that we respect. The premium wine we sell is always the cheapest you can get. There is no other way you can get a cheaper wine than Bechevel Primeur, because after that, the price goes up. And so it's fine. So that's the principle and the interest and the reason of premium system. If you don't respect that, there is no interest in having the premium system. And then you do the same as for, sorry, but you know the story very well, Antoinette, a champagne brut sans année, where people, after having sold their wine and kept them uh, with care in the, in the cellars, will take the case and will show to the sommelier or show to the merchant, you want my, to buy a case? Okay, I, I, I buy a case. And you deliver the wine, but it's not on premier system. Excellent. Thank you so much for that uh, explanation, both to you, Philippe, and to you, Eric. Uh, Philippe, uh, let's perhaps move into the first wine. We have it as the 2009 uh, being the first vintage that we'll be trying. I have to change my glass then. So I, I was about to ask you, what, what's, do you start with the old wine or do you start with the young wine? So. Well, well, we can start either way. Uh, no, no, no. I've, I had 
thought of that and I took several glasses. So I'm fine. I've got my own number. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so as I said before we started, uh, the choice is a nice choice uh, because the wines are, although, for example, for us, 16 is still a young wine, probably too young to drink in our view anyway. Uh, they are beautiful vintages, uh, plenty of things to explain. And uh, we've got young with 16, but what we call now uh, mature wine enough with 09. So if we start with 09, which is a, a, a very interesting thing, uh, you will have a vintage. Uh, what was the characteristic of the vintage in 09? It was, as I said before, uh, for 21. Same thing. The weather was fairly miserable till June with 09, uh, which implied a high pressure of uh, mildew. And then it became very good in summer. So I, I, before uh, we, we were waiting the, the, to have the, the meeting with you, I was taking the weather charts to check, uh, to check the reality. But uh, uh, we had a fantastic uh, August month, 10 millimeters of rain, which is two inch, uh, four inches of rain which is very low, and no rain uh, during harvest. Uh, it was perfect weather in September during harvest. So we had fantastic weather, and we made then a very, very good quality. But then it comes to your point of, uh, you said before, you remember, uh, or your viewers remember, 07, 08 was the, the crisis, the economic crisis. And 09, which was, if you remember my word, we were selling it in 2010, was the recovery period. And the, the economy was booming again and people were really in need of getting good stuff, good wine, good mood. Uh, to good. And so the demand was huge on 09. And it was a good relationship because fantastic vintage, great wine with a huge ripeness, uh, very uh, lushy type of wine and the mood of the customers around the world, very tempted to get, spend a bit of money or a lot of money again. Uh, and that's when it worked. So 09 was an absolutely successful premier season uh, because it, it really worked fantastic. But with fantastic wines, you know, the, the major critics, many gave 100 points. So you had many wines with 100 points and the wines were incredible. So when we made 09, I said, wow, that's the best wine we've ever made. So I was very, very happy. Uh, and we had very, very good comments, very good marks, but I was very happy. In terms of blend, uh, I don't know if you've got that on your screen or in your data, but uh, something which is uh, special for Bechevel in the wine we will we, we have today, we've got for a left bank wine and for a Medoc, quite a high share of Merlot. Uh, not because I do believe that it's better or I, I'm in favor of that. I'm a, I'm a Merlot fan or whatever. It's because that's the way it's planted in the vineyard for decades. And then we do with it. And there we've got very good Merlot in very good terroir, very good spots. And it makes a very good wine. But it makes something a little bit special compared with some colleagues. We've got here in this 09, we've got 46 cab, 46, 44 Merlot. 46-44, nearly on par, and then six Cabernet Franc and four Petit Verdot. Uh, and again, when we, we had that, we had a, a ripeness that we had never got before. It was the highest uh, in history. 
And so we were very, very impressed with what we got. And today, the wine is really uh, with 12, 11 years, 12 years of age. It's really starting to be, you know, reaching uh, the approachability. We consider 10 years being a very good time for starting to open the bottles of Bechevel. And so that's a very good example we stand. And that will last for another 20, 30, 40 years. So if people are eager to taste, they do it. And I think they will enjoy it. Uh, I think 10, 20 is a perfect age for drinking our wines. Uh, but if they want to sell them for far more years for aging, there is absolutely no risk provided the quality of cellaring is good and that will work very well as well. Do you want a question or do you want to comment or do you want... Uh, no questions yet, but uh, Eric, would you like to comment on the 2009 and how that worked for you? Yes, you know, 2009 is, as Philippe say, you know, it's a, a fantastic vintage, you know, fantastic vintage, you know, uh, uh, in Bordeaux, fantastic uh, vintage, you know, uh, at Bechevel, and it's uh, a wine which just starting to open now, uh, but it has a long way to go, a long, long way to go. So any uh, wine lovers, wine collectors um, should, I, sh I shouldn't say should, must have a bottle or two of Chateau Bechel in their cellars, just in case, you know, they could uh, try the wines, you know, later on. But it is really a vintage. When you look at, you know, the, the history of the vintage, you know, at Bechel, this is, you know, um, one, of the, uh, one of the kind. Really, yeah. Um, so, um, if you have these wines, you know, at uh, your store, you are very fortunate to have it. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we we count ourselves as being fortunate, not only for carrying the wines, but also to have this opportunity to share this uh, class with you. So when sure. we were Looking at the at the wines to feature for this event, um, we we had a very limited range of wines that we could present, and those limited that range we're presenting tonight. So we have the 09, 14, and sixteen, and we couldn't help but notice the fifteen was out of stock, long gone, long gone. So that was one of the iconic vintages. Philippe, if you would like to introduce the 2014 and the 16 and sort of give us an idea of how 14, 15, 16 compared and why 15 really took off like it did. Uh, I, I will just add, uh, Antoinette, sorry, just one thing about uh, the style of Bechevel and what we look for as well. What's important uh, for us in making the wine is not to make extremely what we call the full-bodied wine or strong wine. What we try to get is elegance. What we try to get is fine tannins. What's important in a red wine in Medoc in Bordeaux is to have elegance and tannins which are silky, uh, which are velvety, which don't stick on the palate, which don't, you have no harshness, no greenness, and that's all we do. And with the uh, 09, for example, we, we reached a very high level of uh, maturity. It was very fruity, very, a little bit cooked because it was a hot summer. Uh, different with 10 for that. 10 was a bit more tense. Uh, and we'll find the difference with 15. If we add, you said it was uh, out of stock, so I'm sorry for that. 
but for example, 10 and, and we, it was very tempted, we were very tempted to compare nine and 15, 10 and 16 as brothers in terms of style. Now you asked me to, to tell about, uh, so 616 uh, is, you know, a wine we made. Maybe if some of you go on the website, you will see the new facility. We had a major investment made in 1516, delivered for 16 vintage. And 16 was the first vintage we made in this new facility. We've got a fantastic uh, seller. Uh, and we really improved the quality of the wine we make since 16 because of that. So when we had 16, we had a lot of acclaims. Uh, many wrote it was the best wine ever in Bechevel, and we were extremely happy. Weather like it was very same, very comparable with nine. Beginning of the season, very wet, quite difficult, and then a, a beautiful summer. Uh, and here we reached a level of uh, finesse, a level of... Uh, Precision, we call that precision as well. That means when the tannins are precise, are lineated, and that's what we got with 60. On the other end, we've got something which is too young for us, so we wouldn't touch it yet, ex ex except for tasting, but not for drinking it yet. Even second one is too early for us to drink 16. But for us, we, we started here to have power and elegance which is sometimes difficult to get together, but that's what we get, I think, quite well with uh, 16. We, uh, a word about 14, which is, uh, I will have to, because I didn't prepare three glasses, I prepared two, I've been a bit lazy. Uh, and I look at the, the time is flying, so if you say 40 minutes, we have to go, we have to talk quite quickly now. Uh, 14 was a vintage, uh, again, where the weather, again, weather-like, it was not easy, and it started to be really good early September. And then the ripening went high and high and high and high. And it really ripened well, and, but it was a small vintage in terms of quantity. And there is something particular in, in, in 14, that's the highest Merlot ratio that we ever had in Bechevel wine. We've got 51% Merlot, which is the highest. Some people criticize, you can't make a Medoc like that. That's a shame, you should be on the right bank, uh, but there is no obligation, you do what you want. If we, you want to make a 100% Merlot in, in Medoc, you can do it. Although low, lows are important as, uh, as uh, Eric pointed out. Uh, so. 51% Merlot, 39% Cabernet Sauvignon, and the rest is shared five and five, shared between Cabernet Franc and Petit Verdot. And it made a wine extremely fruity, very powerful because the, the Merlot were very ripe. So we've got a high tannins, it's really powerful, and it really pleased uh, the American critics uh, for, that, uh, for that reason. You've got big tannins, but here again, they're silky and elegant. Here again, on these young wines like 1614, the, what we call the oakiness, the wood, the toast is still quite present. It's a sign of youth. It's still a little bit too young. It will mellow, it will fed up with time. And that's part of the advantage of leaving it aging. It, it becomes more complex. It mixes the flavors. You get more complexity. 
And that's why here we consider it again to be too young a wine to, to, to serve at the table. One, one word again, uh, I'm getting nervous because I, I told you I was speaking too much. Uh, we decant the wines. Uh, we always serve the wine decanted. Uh, I, would, I would advise customers not to be too shy. One and a half hour, no problem. Even two hours is not a problem. Uh, and decanting has to be done in old wines, of course, to get rid of the sediments, to get rid of the crust. But in younger wine, if you prefer younger wine, it brings some air to the wine, it brings some more complexity and, and, and it develops flavors. So, and a last point maybe, uh, temperature of service is important as well. Take care of not getting too high. I'm sorry, uh, I will need your help for Fahrenheit because I'm talking Celsius, but 18 degrees Celsius is very good. And not over 20 where it's too hot and the alcohol is getting too obvious. That was a wine made for Mr. Trump because it was over 14. So it was interesting <laughs> because the more mellow you get, the more alcohol you get. Uh, but that's not what we chase, nor Mr. Trump, nor uh, 14 degrees. Uh, but that was a, a vintage which was chased a little bit for your market in the recent month because it was over 14. Very well said. Um, thank you so much. So there are, there are two points I would love for you to address before we say goodnight, and I'm, I'm respectful of your time as well. Um, the first one would be uh, how the vineyard management techniques perhaps have changed to adapt to uh, weather variation that perhaps you may not have had in when you started in the mid-90s. And the second question is about the new Bordeaux varietals that have been approved by the Bordeaux AOC and how um, if, if the chateaus were given an opportunity to weigh in on the decision to bring in new varietals. Okay, so I, I will try to make it short. Um, first, uh, I think for me, I don't know what you think around uh, DC, but uh, I am absolutely dead convinced that global warming exists and that it will be difficult, not for me, I'm getting too old for, for being absolutely concerned, but for my grandsons, uh, if our grandchildren, uh, I am concerned and for the rest of the world. So I'm absolutely sure it exists. And it, at the moment in our business, we take benefit of it. That means in my view, we've got ripeness of fruit that we never got before. And I think we, we've got different fruit from 25, 40 years ago, but it's easier to make great wine, to make perfectly ripe wine, to make absolutely silky tannins because of that. And don't forget in Bordeaux, we don't irrigate, contrary to Australia or, or other areas. We are not allowed to irrigate. Again, the law the and the state, so no irrigation. But so sometimes, implication might be lowering of yield, less fruit, and increase of alcohol. So you've got that point, but at the moment, we're still at the limit of being beneficial of it. Then when you ask me, what happens is basically, we'll get more and more early crops, for example. Uh, but in terms of real effects that we leave daily today, it's not that obvious at the moment yet. The thread is here, 
the alcohol is getting higher now. We've got Merlot at 15, uh, whereas 20 years ago, 12 was fantastic. So we went three degrees higher. It's huge. But for the rest, it's not that sensible. I have to, to get quick. We'll, we'll, we'll have to meet again and we'll talk longer about that. Then your next question was varietals. I'm not very fond to talk about it because we have no other varietals. It's just the start here. I, again, Eric mentioned government and laws. They are very shy. That's the big difference with, between new world and old world. Uh, changes are always extremely slow uh, with a lot of, I think they have to let us try and to permit us to make some wines with, I don't know, to give names to you, Shiraz or Tempranillo, or there will be varieties coming from the south. Can't be Pinot Noir, okay? It can't come from the north. It has to come from the south. Uh, varieties which are in Spain, in Portugal, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe in Italy uh, or south of France. And I think we have to try and because we have to work out if it fits the soil, if it fits the terroir, and then we'll know if we make great wines. Because it's not because you make grapes that you make great wines. So it will be a slow thing, but we have to make it quick to try 5%, 3%, make two, three, 10 barrels, and being allowed to put it in the blend, because very often they say, yeah, you can do it, but you destroy the wine after. And economically, that's uh, something which is not very interesting. And it's, it slows the process of trials and improvement and discovery. So that's the thing. But again, and I will, uh, I will try to, to stop uh, if you don't relaunch me, Antoinette. Uh, what I hope you are allowed to travel now. Uh, we are, well, we are uh, waiting for having visits of, of American friends soon. So I hope you'll be part of them as well. And be sure that you'll be welcome to visit us anytime you want. We'll be always delighted. And we normally we go every year in DC. Uh, and I hope we'll meet next next in next occasion. We're coming for Art Delight. We'll be coming and visiting you. Beautiful. Thank you, Philippe. Uh, Eric, uh, as we're winding down, do you have any last words to share with the group? Well, thank you to give me the uh, uh, opportunity to say a few words. Thank you, Philippe, you know, to participate yeah, to this uh, Zoom presentation for Chateau Bechfeld. Thank you, uh, Antoinette, what you do for Bordeaux, what you do for fine wines, and what you do in DC and belong, you know, the other states, you know, and this is the heart of America, uh, DC. Well, that's uh, as far as politicians, but the world is spreading out in the 50 states. Uh, so thank you very much for all what you've done regarding this presentation. You know, um, uh, regarding the testing of the wines, you know, we try to produce wines, as Philippe said, finesse and also have a very long finish. And that's really, you know, if you are testing the wines uh, carefully, you will see, you know, the, the style of Bechfeld is, you know, being very precise and very elegant as a very long finish. So after you know a glass of wine, you feel comfortable to have another one. That's the whole idea. The whole idea to share with friends and to have one more glass of wine. Thank you so much. <laughs>
Wonderful. Thank you so much. And before we leave, I must say that I had the good opportunity to visit your chateau two years ago with the CI, the uh, Bordeaux uh, Institute. And uh, it was uh, an incredible experience. I strongly recommend everyone who's uh, paying attention and listening tonight to uh, make it to Bordeaux and especially to visit Chateau Bechevel. As Eric told me, it's uh, considered to be the Versailles of Bordeaux, no? Petit Versailles. Small one, small one. <laughs> well, wonderful. So thank you for joining thank us today. You. The issue will be happy to have you. We've got accommodation. We try to have a very good moment. We drink more wines together. And uh, I want to, to share the thank you with uh, the viewers because uh, thank you for your passion. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for sharing wine. Sorry not to be together, but it's uh, the good thing. And uh, I hope we'll meet here or with you in the future. And have a wonderful summer, all of you, with good wines and good company. Thank you so much. Excellent. All right, everyone. We wish you a lovely evening. Uh, and uh, Merci. Right. Merci, Antoinette. Merci. And, and say, say hello to the family. I will. Thank and you. I will, I will tell Dominique I talked to you. Yeah, do. Do. He'll be surprised. He'll be very uh, surprised. I will tell him. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye -bye. Good night, everyone. See you. Have a good